Welcome back to the Crow's Nest. My name is Jackson Shank, alongside my co-host Justin Valenzuela for today's episode where we cover Miguel Cabrera, the Tiger King, the NBA playoffs, and some impact draft picks before we head to the MetLife draft party on Thursday. Justin, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing amazing. It's smokescreen season, so I love seeing everyone scramble over reports that like the Jets would take Jermaine Johnson over Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, right, as if. Um, I love seeing the uh, the sheep follow the narrative. It's pretty fun. But I'm doing pretty good because my Jets are about to become significantly better in a couple days, so I'm ready. Well, before we get into the draft, let's hit on Miggy. The guy reached 3,000 hits in his in one of his most recent games. I think he sits at 302 or 3,002 right now. But man, what a career for this guy over his monumental tenure ever since 2003 been in the league almost 20 years and now i mean just another bit to add on to his resume 3000 hits 500 homers five silver sluggers i mean one of the best at the plate all time yeah and i mean it's crazy to think about because the yankees said that like oh like you only make it to the bigs as a pitcher, and as a Yankees fan, I'm like, damn, look at how stupid we look. This man is a surefire Hall of Famer, one of the greatest to ever swing the bat in our beloved sport. Just crazy to think about. And honestly, 20 years, man, that is like, and he's basically outside of the fact that he was drafted by the Marlins with basically one team. Like you don't think of Miggy, the Miami Marlin, you think of Miggy, the Detroit Tiger. Yeah, and I love that because. I love loyalty. I really do, and I love to see players stick through the process. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. They're there for the highs. They're there for the lows. They're there for the community. They buy into the team. They buy into the fans, and that's honestly like I hate the NBA now because of that. Like They don't buy in. They're just there to collect a check and win. Uh, Football, you're starting to see it, which sucks. I never envisioned the football. I always thought the football was like a loyal sport, and then like I knew it was over when Tom Brady left. I was like, oh, yeah, loyalty in the NFL is dead. Like, if Tom Brady's leaving the Patriots, that the world is ending. Like, there's no way. So I love to see it. He's still on the Tigers. He's he's calling quits after this year, right? He does plan on retiring, but it looks like it'll be in 2023. So him and Molina kind of looking to end their tenure around the same time. Miggy, you know, the Tigers are in an interesting spot because they have a lot of young, fresh talent on this team. They just brought up Spencer Torkelson, who has been a top prospect for a while. And to have someone like that on your team, I mean, this guy is a triple crown winner. He's got a career batting average of 310 over 20 years. Like, the consistency for Miggy is ridiculous. Yeah, for real. Bringing it back to his Miami Marlins days, one of my favorite memories, Justin and I were talking about it before the podcast, you know, he's not well known for his memories as a Marlin because those were his rookie and building years. But in his rookie year, he's facing Roger Clemens in the World Series. Like, dude, I'd be terrified. Not only that. Yeah, the nerves. Roger Clemens, the first pitch fastball right in his ear like dude i'd be i'd be freaking out heart pumping later in that at bat 
he made contact with an outside fastball and sent it into the right field seats. Like, you knew from that moment on that this man was going to be different. You know, it sucks that he never continued, you know, the the success in the playoffs that that he had. That sucks that uh, his rookie year was the first and last time. Yeah. It's a sore subject, though, because... But his, dude, I mean, the accolades over 20 years, and to stay consistent, like, you and I were looking at his stats... And in like 12 of the 20 years he's been in the game, he's had over a 300 average. And it's not like he's just sneaking over that 300 average. There are some years where he's batting 330, 340, which is absolutely unheard of. And, you know, there there are years where he batted... There was one year, dude, 2013, 348. Yeah. And now players are battling in like the 320s for the Triple Crown. Yeah. You know what's crazy? Out of his whole 19-year tw- career, 10 times he's hit over 30 home runs. Wow. That is crazy. And they're not it's not like no suckers either. It's like f- 2013 44, 2012 44, 2010 38, 2008 37, 2007 34. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he's barely getting there. I mean, he clipped over 40 twice. Yeah. That is stupid impressive. And what I think is great about him, too, is his actions off the field. There was the situation with the Yankees where, under the bridge. where he has 2,999 hits. Fans are there. Everyone's excited. Miggy is up. Open base at first. Runners on second and third. And the Yankees walk him. Now, this was, you know, on blast for a while. Justin knows it. And it was a smart baseball move by the Yankees. But at the same time, you know, like, it's the worst time to do it. Like, he's got 200. He's one hit away. Everyone's waiting for that moment. And now it's that clutch moment where he can come through for the team. But what I think is beautiful is obviously the next pitch or the the next batter up, Austin Meadows hits a double, and they score two runs. So it worked out. And to have the poise that Miggy had, because he's had, you know, he's worked for 20 years for this one accomplishment. And to have the poise to look at the fans afterwards and say, when did personal accolades ever matter in a game? I'm just happy that we won. That goes to show you what type of guy Miggy is. And that's what's made his career so special. Yeah, definitely. I... I want to go back real quick. Everyone hates the Yankees right now because of what happened with uh, Straw, the outfielder for the Guardians, and like throwing trash at him and stuff like that. And then a week before, you have them intentionally walking Miggy. But I think this is better for baseball, to be honest, because you can't tell me that baseball is not better when the Yankees are hated. And I know it's still really early, and I might have overreacted a little bit um, a few episodes ago when I was like, Yankees suck. I can't even believe this. This is crazy. Yeah, we're up 3-0 on the Orioles right now. About to be 11-6, and tied for first in the AL East. Um, well, once we win, we'll be tied for first. Uh, I might have overreacted just a bit. Um, I want to I retract my previous statements. I know it's a little, little stupid of me, but let's go Yankees, baby. That's all I got to say. Anyway, Miggy with 3,000 hits. Congrats to the Tiger King. Let's move on to NBA playoffs. The Brooklyn Nets were swept in four games by the Boston Celtics. Jason Tatum 
Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, really. I mean, Marcus Smart had the Defensive Player of the Year award, but if you saw the statistics, I think I sent you something today about it. Jason Tatum, oh, when, guarding, <laughs> when guarding KD, was just locked down. I'll pull it up for you. He was locked down. And quite frankly, the Nets looked outclassed in every sense of the word yep. in this game or in these in this series. And you know, to see Ben Simmons sit on the sidelines. Disgraceful. Justin, it brings me back to the beginning of the season when I was afraid that this team would be so, too selfish to play with each other. Yeah, no, I and definitely they, see it. And now they got one more guy. Yeah. I think who's it comes exactly down, like that. I think it comes down to coaching as well because I know it's hard to sit there as a coach and tell Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving what to do. I know that's not an easy task, but like Steve Nash was outcoached in every possible way by one of his assistants. The Celtics head coach, can't tell you the name off the top of my head, came from the Brooklyn Nets coaching staff last year. He was hired away from us and then sweeps us in the playoffs. That is poetic. Uh, I have to eat my words. I said Brooklyn in five. It ended up being Boston in four. So I was horribly wrong. And I, honestly, as a fan, I'm just embarrassed because I, I can eat losing a series. I can eat it, you know. I'm used to losing. As a, as a New York fan, trust me, I'm used to losing games. But we went out like a bunch of suckers. And we got swept. And to me, that's just, that leaves such a sour taste in my mouth that, like, I really, like, it gets me, like, it makes my blood boil because it's embarrassing. It really is. You get, first off, Kyrie Irving Revenge Tour. You know, you get, you get swept by your former team. We got videos of Kevin Durant uh, in the Olympics with Patty Mills saying, there's going to be problems in Boston. You got swept by him. You had the worst series of your life. You didn't show up for three games, and then you try-harded the fourth game, and it wasn't even enough. Like, it's embarrassing. We look stupid. We look foolish. We have Ben Simmons dressed as a goddamn Skittle on the sidelines, <laughs> but we're fighting for our lives, and he has a mental block, which is causing soreness in his back because of stress. Like, dude, you're playing basketball. How stress? You're getting paid millions of dollars to play basketball. How stressful can your life really be? And then, after we got freaking swept and eliminated from the playoffs, he has the audacity to go on Discord with his status live and play Warzone. After we got swept in the playoffs, but your mental blockage, like, you could go sit down on your ass and play Warzone immediately after losing a playoff game, but you can't participate in the game? Really, dude? It's pathetic. It's pathetic. And apparently, like, he told the players that he was going to play game three or four. And now all the play, like, the players and the coaching staff were bracing for him to play game four. And then the day before game four, ah, guys, I woke up with some back soreness. Actually, I can't play. Really, dude? You were going to play restricted minutes anyways, and you're down 3-0. What's the big deal if you go out there, play 10 minutes, and you're like, nah, coach, I can't. At least dress up. Warm up with the team. Take some jump shots and shoot around and then sit your ass on the bench and do what you do best and watch and cheer your guys on. But no, you're showing up in these stupid ass outfits with Cartier glasses on in an arena. What do you need those for, dude? You look dumb. You make us look dumb and you make me and all of the Brooklyn Nets fans look stupid. I'm just embarrassed. 
Well, shout out, I'm Udoka and nah. the Boston Celtics on a on a good series. And a uh, oh, you know what? Round of applause for the Celtics and for making me look good. Anyway, uh, anyways, let's move on to the next series. Let's Justin, make you I look think, bad. I think you said enough. Yeah, probably. But Raptors, they're starting to prove you right, buddy. I know they're I pushing know. for a possible game seven as they dominated, and I mean dominate. This was a twenty point win against the Sixers. Yeah, and now uh, Embiid's hurt. He's got the torn ligament in his thumb. He's going to play through it, but, you know, if it's if you have a torn ligament in your right hand and you're a righty, you know, that's that's pretty, that's pretty serious. Dangerous. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty damn serious. Like, he's definitely going to have to get surgery. I mean, much respect to him. He's doing, you know, what a good player would do. He's got a torn ligament in his thumb and he's out there. Ben Simmons, he's out there playing. But uh, anyways, shout out Nick Nurse, man. Just such He's such a good coach. Like, he just fit. He has, like, I think he goes into games. He doesn't care who wins, who loses. His sole purpose is to make the other team's best player look horrible. I saw a picture, and it was like a screenshot of Jalen Green's, like, crazy 10 game run. It was like over 30 points in, like, 10 games in a row. It was like 30, 38, 34, 33, just for example, like 32, 31, 30, 35. He plays the Raptors, eight points. And then yeah. five other games. 32, 35, 37, mm-hmm. 39. <laughs> like, he just, and then, like, even Embiid, they had Embiid's number all season. They What they did is they doubled him down low, and they made the other players beat him. And you know what? It came back to bite him in the first three games of the series because the other players showed up. Even Harden, I'm going to admit, Harden kind of showed up. Now Harden's not showing up. Tyrese Maxey's kind of cooled off. Yep. The role players, it's now in their hands, and, you know, it. the odds of them performing four games in a row is low. You know what I'm saying? So now it's really up to them. They have to step up even more so now that Embiid is hurt. And to be honest, I don't know if the Sixers can pull it off, one, because it's the Sixers and you have Harden. And two, Doc Rivers is notorious for blowing 3-1 leads. And he might just add a 3-0 lead to his resume. And, like, personally, I know I'm, I'm just ranting. I'm in a mood. I'm ranting. I need the, I need the Sixers to lose, bro. I need them to lose this series just so I can go to sleep a little bit, a feeling a little bit better about myself that the Sixers aren't moving on to the second round. I, I need it. I need it, bro. Well, I think it's possible, Justin. Obviously, they, they were down 3-0. And Bede was like, you know, congrats on getting it a 3-1 series. But to be down 3-1 to and then to lose at home. Yeah, that one hurts. Not only that, to lose badly. Yeah. It wasn't 20, it was 15 Still. points. But, man, the Raptors proved that this ain't over. Yeah, and now they have, they're going back to And now to they're Toronto. going back to Toronto. So they get their game at home, which the last time they were at home, they won their last game by eight. So now, MB has got to push through in a tough matchup, like you talked about, two teams that clash with each other very well. And, you know, this could this could get real dangerous. And quite frankly, if Nick Nurse brings this back, do you think he keeps his job in Toronto? I don't think Toronto wants him to leave. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it's a matter of... I think it's just him. Like, I think if you he think, wants out, okay. he's out. I don't think I don't All think right. the Raptors by any means are pushed. Why would they push him out, you know? Fair. I don't, I don't think they're pushing him out by any means. But mm-hmm. I'm just, I just think he might you know, chase a bigger bag, you know? True. Which I get. 
All right. Luca. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, drops 30. Says he can't guard me to uh, go bear after he... Dude, what kind of like crazy reverse layup draw the foul was that? It was it was such a good Dude, play it's so, by Luca. It's so fun watching just a husky, semi unathletic white boy ball. <laughs> <laughs> like the, him and Jokic, like they, like I love watching him and it's Jokic. It's the Europeans, play. man. Yeah, you do. They're built different. The league is run by international players, and I personally love it because you know I, I'm I'm all for the internationality of a game because I feel like the only real international sport you have is baseball and soccer and like soccer is boring I love baseball but you know baseball is boring at the end of the day we have to admit it baseball is boring basketball is not boring at all I would love to see it be completely global I'm all for it and I mean at this point it is like even you can't guard me to go bear a Slovakian talking trash to a Frenchman Love to see it. Love to see it. It's great. All right, moving on to the Pelicans, who are continuing to take advantage of Booker's injury. Grand Theft Alvarado occurred the other night as the man who hides in the corner on the Pelicans finally got a steal on CP3. He talked about it in a post-game interview as his, like, you know, it was on his bucket list. But, man, was I, I was wrong about the completion of this team. They... Are not performing without Booker. I mean, yeah. well, he's we the saw, glue that holds the team together. We saw a prime CP3 game in which he dropped like 32, mm-hmm. and they won a game without Book. But man, it's going to take a lot for the Suns to beat a young, fresh, and very hungry Pelicans team. Yeah, and you know what's scary about these Pelicans? What's that? They don't even have their best player. Think about that for a second. I think next year they could be a sleeper. I think they, the Grizzlies that we see this year, realistically, I think if I had to pick a team to re- reenact this, re- reincarnate it, I would definitely pick the Pelicans. No doubt about With it. With Zion? With Zion. I don't think, honestly, I think the fact that the Pelicans won two games and made the playoffs is all they need to keep Zion. I think Zion wants to play for a winner, and I think they proved to him that they are a winner. If they win this series... I do not envision any universe where Zion leaves. Honestly, I don't even think he's leaving now. I think it's just that my problem, Jackson, is media pushes narratives. There's no secret to this. The NBA is better when the Knicks have stars, the Lakers have stars. They have been pushing the Zion to the Knicks narrative since bef- since his Duke days. It's never going to die out. It's always going to be a thing. But the problem is people take these narratives and they run. And they just assume that there's like some truth to it. I don't even see like where where is there any truth that Zion is disgruntled with the Pelicans? I personally have seen none. It's just it's just fanboys saying, "Oh, dude, you got to go to the Knicks." Then be like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the only noise I'm hearing. And there's just so much of it that it seems like it's real, but at the end of the day, it isn't. It's just a giant smokescreen. I think regardless, though, I just want to see the superstar play. I mean, he was such a strong athlete yeah. coming out of high school and college, watching his highlights, dude. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. And, all right, let's, yeah, let's move on to Heat's Bucks and Warriors real quick. Let's thing. cover them because they're dominating. Heat up 3-1. Bucks, unfortunately, up 3-1 on my, on my Bulls. But it is what it is. We talked about it. And Warriors, you know, they 
They were looking for the sweep. Nuggets actually won one. So yeah. good for the Nuggets, but Warriors, man. I, I think it's interesting. John Morant got most improved player. Jordan Poole was in there. Dog. Yeah. No, nah, John Morant, like, deserve, like, I mean, congrats and everything, but did not deserve. Like, he was drafted second overall. Like, this is what he was expected. Yeah. That's you know true. what I'm saying? I think most improved players should go to a player who. You know, actually went through the grind. Like Jordan Poole went through the grind. He was he was called the worst pick in the draft when he was drafted at thirty. Oh, yeah. And look at him now. Took him. It took him some years. Took him some G League play. Took mm-hmm. him a couple years on the bench, barely getting minutes. Now look at him, the third splash brother. That that's that's the epitome of what the most improved player is. But I mean, didn't go to him. Congrats to John Morant. Uh, I saw a super classy move. He gave it to Bain Desmond. Yeah, Bain. that was super classy on yeah. his end. So good, good on him to giving it to his teammate, who also Desmond Bain had a heck of a year as well. Yeah. So now speaking of that, let's get into the T Wolves and Grizzlies series. As you and I's, you and I's pick picks are knotted up at two apiece. Yeah, I mean, this was the series. Honestly, I thought Net Celtics was going to be the series of the like the best series of the first round. Obviously, that was a lie. But uh. Yeah, Timberwolves up three as we speak right now. Uh, my personal pick, the Timberwolves, making things interesting. They should be up three one. They blew like a, tw- a stupid like a twenty one point lead or something like that. I think it was, I think it was seventeen. But the the, uh, the Grizzlies went on like a twenty one to zero run. Yeah. So, uh, which is not gonna it's not gonna happen. Never again. like no, that's not gonna happen. Again. Man, and I mean, Carl Anthony Towns shot three times that whole game. Like, yeah, just, that just can't happen. Mm, yeah. Well. Yeah, game five is going on right now. T Wolves are up three, like Justin mentioned. This series, man, it's exciting to watch. I know that you and I are going to be trying to watch it as much as we can. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, with that being said, that's it for the NBA playoffs. Justin. Jackson. Let's get to what we believe to be our impact draft picks. Justin went ahead. And made a second mock draft. I just have some questions. We're not going to go through a full 32. We may run through Justin's or mo- some of his interesting picks. Yeah. But I mean, we, will, we will have to see. So with that being said, let's get started. Trayvon Walker. Justin, is this the top guy in your opinion? So look, everything that I'm hearing, it is a absolute three-way civil war in the Jaguars war room right now. We've got the GM wants Trayvon Walker. The scouts want Aiden Hutchinson and the owner too. And some other guy, honestly, I forget now, but I saw the tweet. It's real. I promise you it's real. Um, wants Ike McWannan. So eliminate Ike McWannan because that guy, can't even remember his name. That's how relevant he is. So it's, <laughs> it comes down to Trayvon wow. Walker and Aiden Hutchinson. Now my thing is, whether you agree with it or not, whether you think Trayvon Walker should be picked over Hutchinson, the reality is the guy that you bought in, the guy that you paid money to build and rebuild this team wants Trayvon Walker. That is his plan. That is what he sees being the most ideal pick for you guys. The owner needs to put his bias and his ego to the side and let the GM do his thing because whenever the owner oversteps it screws everything up. As a Jets fan, um, whose owner Woody Johnson is notorious for overstepping, you just can't let it happen. You have to trust the GM. You paid him all this money, 
you showed that you 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 trusted him when you bought him in to be your general manager. Let him make his pick. It also helps. It helps me if they take Trayvon Walker. But I'm speaking from the heart right now as well. No bias. If you hire a GM and he wants this guy, put your ego to the side. Take that guy. I think he should be the top pick. And I think if if the Jaguars owner has any brain in his head, Trayvon Walker will end up being the pick. I hope to see it. We will see, though. Well, yeah, that's what you have for number one overall. You yeah. have Trayvon Walker that's, going that's what and I then have. Hutchinson yeah. going at two. And this was my next question, looking at the third pick in your draft. Will Do you you think the Texans will go Sauce Gardner at three? So I do because I heard rumblings that they had immense interest in Sauce Gardner and that he's a realistic play at three. And now these last couple of days we hear Texans might throw a loop and take Derek Singley. Texans might do this. Texans might do that. Derek Stingley, Derek Stingley, Derek Stingley. It's prime smokescreen season. You know what I'm saying? This is this is the time to confuse everyone and throw everyone for a loop. I'm seeing past this. I see that they're putting out false reports that they have interest in Derek Stingley, almost as if it's to cover up their true love going for the other Gardner. corner getting Sauce Gardner. Nice. So that's why I have him going three uh, to the Texans. Got it. Okay, so moving down your, your mock draft, the next goes... Thibodeau, Charles Cross, yeah, and Ike McWanu. So those three players, I feel like it's almost it's almost BPA for every single team at the yeah. position that they need. Yeah. Jets really need edge, take Thibodeau. Giants really need a tackle or offensive line. They get Charles Cross. You know, that could be or Ike McWanu, you know, yeah, I mean, 1A, that, that 1B. Could go either way. Exactly. It, but but, I, I did but see they reports, both need yeah. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I, I don't think there's a lot of reports that the Panthers are going quarterback. It just one their team is so bad, like they suck. They're I think that the Falcons and the Panthers are going to have one of the top three picks in the draft next year. Mm-hmm. So if you have one of the top three picks in the draft next year, you're inevitably set up for C.J. Schroeder, Bryce Young. Yep. So why the hell would you take a crappy? quarterback prospect QB this now. draft yep. yeah when you know your team's gonna suck so just take bpa yep. and they happen to need offensive line and that's the best player available so panthers don't screw this up don't be stupid but like i understand the uh, the other thing is mark rule his his seat is burning hot he is fighting for his job so he might be able to convince the team to take a quarterback and then use that as like a stepping stool to keep his job and that's honestly that's what happens you know what i'm saying yeah. So it'd be like that. All right. That brings me to my next question. I kind of bought into the smoke screen. Derek Stanley, I I wrote down here, you know, could he be the first cornerback off the board? Obviously not. But that does bring me to your mock draft where the Minnesota Vikings trade to get the seventh pick in the draft. They trade with the Giants and they get Derek Stingley. You know, it's interesting because I think Stingley could fall. To, yeah. to all the way to all the way to 12 where they're normally sitting but that's just me the thing is the ravens really want a quarterback cornerback the eagles are very aggressive as we can see really want a cornerback so they could easily jump them at 12 and the commanders really want a cornerback as well and the chargers really love Derek Stingley and if he falls they might jump up into the uh 14 to 10 range to take one. Yeah. So the Vikings also love Stingley. They're the closest team that he could fall to, but 
They get happy. I think they get happy feet, and it's not even happy feet because, like I said, if you love a guy, go and get him. Uh, the Giants are the most willing team in the top ten to move down. I think um, it's only five picks. It isn't that far of a drop, and it isn't that far of a jump. You don't have to give up that much. Um, you jump the you jump the Eagles, who could potentially trade up. You jump the Seahawks. Oh, that's the other thing. The Seahawks love Derek Stingley. No, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. if he's there at nine, yeah, they, yeah, if they know they're going to take him at nine. Yeah, he's not falling past the Seahawks. Yeah. So if you really love him and you know the Seahawks then, are going to take him, trade up for him. Jump him. Screw okay. it. Gotcha. So Garrett Wilson at eight, first receiver off the board. Now I I think it's either Garrett Wilson or uh, Jermaine Johnson. I really do for the Falcons. Yeah. So I like the pick. You know, if the Seahawks get jumped at nine, they take Evan Neal, BPA for a rebuilding offensive line, and, and it's just happens to fill their biggest need. Yeah, exactly. So you have the Eagles trading with the Jets at 10 to get Trent McDuffie. You talk about them getting aggressive for a corner. Could this be could this be something they look at for a player like Jamison Williams instead? I think it could. I think it could. Okay. So admittedly, I made this. Now, I know I'm, I was talking about buying into smoke screens, but I actually do believe this most recent report. I made this. I finalized it. 20, 30 minutes later, get a report. Eagles looking to trade up to take Jamison Williams into the top 10. So um, if they trade with the Jets at 10, obviously they're going to take Jamison Williams. In this one, they get aggressive for a corner because they see 1A and 1B go. And, I mean, they could they have another first-rounder, so they could you know sit on their hands and wait to see if there's another one. And, like, yes, they need a receiver, but it isn't the most pressing need. They That's have, true. They have a bunch of picks. They have a first-rounder next they year They also well. really, beat a, really built up the defense, so it could be... You know, that could kind of counterbalance the need for the extra offense. Yeah. Okay. Kyle Hamilton at 11. Yeah, BPA for them. All right, it's between... It's either them or... It's either that or Drake London, I feel like. Uh, yeah, I heard I heard it's between him or Stingley. Oh, Stingley. really? Yeah. Okay, they, so they, they, they you're thinking they're going to go defense. Yeah. I think gotcha. Defense. Well, Kyle Kyle Hamilton, Swiss Army Knife. Yeah. Really good pick. I, think, I still think he's a generational player. One of two in this draft. Yeah. But, you know, the a thing I know I said... You deal with the backlash, but positional value is a thing. Um, like even you could argue the position. Just Ahmad Gardner is such a freak. Like he's a different case. Yeah. But um, Texans also lost or not? They don't have many corners at all. Like I can't. Well, I was going to say that they lost Justin Reed, but that would, you know, assuming that Texans go Kyle Hamilton at thirteen, depending on if the Commanders want to go offense. Yeah. Because if they could, take you know, they're at eleven, they could easily go Drake London, which has been every single report. Moving on, so Jermaine Johnson at 12. The Giants moved down that trade that we talked about earlier. So, interesting pick, Justin, but yeah. Jermaine Johnson, you know, he's one of the best edge rushers in this in this draft, and Giants are, you know, if this is the case, they could really luck out with him yeah, no, beyond I, 10. Well, so, yeah, when I traded down from 7, I didn't envision him falling. Originally, my plan was to mock him to the Falcons, but then I really started to think about it. And I was like, all right, well... Falcons actually have no receivers. Yeah. And, like, I know they're rebuilding, and they don't— this this season's kind of just throwing the towel for them. But, like, at the same time, you need some sort of competence on offense. Yeah, you don't want to so, have, like, five points a game. Yeah, and they do genuinely need it. And then I was going to send them to the Seahawks, and then I looked at my board, and I was like, oh, shoot, Evan Neal's still here. Like, obviously, they're going to take Evan Neal over Jermaine Johnson. So uh, I think it's a perfect fit. Um, I'd love to see him on the Giants as much as I'm a Giants hater. Um, just an excellent—I mean, this is the second year in a row they— played their cards right they traded down and they still got a player they wanted so good for them and then your guy drake london whom you think will go to the commanders uh i got the texans taking him just because 
Again, BPA. Um, if you see a lot of potential in this guy, you yep. got to take him. I don't see much in Drake London personally. I think he's the biggest boomer bust prospect, and like, I'm all for boom and bust, boom or bust. But when it comes to receiver, it's it's much more risky than like a boomer bust tackle or edge rusher. So there's that. But you know, you get a corner, you get a receiver. Good yep. draft for the Texans. All right, Jordan Davis at 14 to Ravens. It makes sense, you know. Add to that interior D line. I like it. Yeah. And then at 15, your guy, Jamison Williams, gets picked up by the Jets. You know, this could be this could be a few different players, Justin, depending on if the Jets make this trade, depending on if the Jets end up with Debo Samuel, which yeah, was another one of my questions. So the Jets at 10, I feel like it's almost like the Swiss Army knife of every single pick in this draft. They could end up with so many possibilities. You go Jamison Williams at 10. You could end up going safe and get Garrett Wilson at 10. Or, yeah, or you, could play. you could end up with... You could play around with it, you know, maybe throw in the King's Ransom, go get Debo. So yeah. there's a whole bunch of opportunities for the Jets. And I think over the next t- couple of days, they're really going to have to sit down and ask themselves, hey, you know, if we can't go out and afford a generational talent that's already proved himself in Debo Samuel, who's going to be the guy that we go yeah, get? I think James Williams offers that the most. Yeah. But you know my dream situation, my dream scenario for my Jets? Gardner at four, Johnson at ten. That's the dream for me. Really, just so solely defense. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, okay, I mean this receiver class is deep, man. It's they, it they is could, really deep. They could realistically walk got, away. Yeah. With, they could walk away with George Pickens at thirty-five. Pickens. So that 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 brings me to my next question. You know, who is the best receiver in this draft? In your opinion? In my opinion, right now, like if they were to step on the field week one, yeah, Garrett Wilson. Well, yeah. obviously, Jamison Williams is out. Yeah. No, but I'm saying even even if Jamison Williams were to step on at the same time. I think oh, Garrett okay. Wilson is the most pro-ready, but I think if we're projecting ceiling, I think Jamison Williams has a higher ceiling than Garrett Wilson. Gotcha. But I think Garrett Wilson will be the best receiver. Him or Olave, I think, will have the best rookie season. But I think five years from now, we'll be talking about Jamison Williams and potentially Drake London. I think George Pickens will probably end up being one of the better ones, too. Which is interesting because he's not projected to be a first-round pick. No, no, he's not. And it just comes down to attitude. He's got some character issues and yeah. an injury, a, a oh, very okay. scary injury that it made him miss his whole senior season. You know? Yeah. Without that senior season. If he, if he plays the whole senior season, probably a top 15 lock in my opinion. Probably. Okay, so Saints, you have them going tackle yeah. at 16. No it's Toronto safe. Instead. Easy. Yeah, that's that's true. They do need to replace their best guy. But, you know, they don't go receiver, which is interesting but at the same time, you know, we talked about whether or not this team really is in a rebuild, which I still believe they're in a rebuild, even yeah. though they don't believe they're in a rebuild. But I think that the truth is going to hurt them on yeah. draft I mean, night. And I think they're going to realize that at 16, they're not going to get the players that they thought that they were going to get because of how much the draft boards have changed as of late. Yeah, well, the truth is they got gypped because the top three receivers, one of them doesn't fall to them. But the other thing is, I personally don't think receivers as big as they need as they think. I think. Are people just forgetting that Michael Thomas, the slant king himself, is coming back next year? Yeah, and they got AK. Yeah, so I, I think I think they'll be all right when it comes to receiver. I think they have much more pressing needs at tackle and linebacker. So there's that. So plenty of receivers taken in the first in the top twenty. As we're gonna see two, we're gonna see. One more receiver before we hit 20 here in Justin's mock draft. Andrew Booth Jr. is going to be the cornerback that goes at 17. So I think that all depends on their preference, the Chargers, because 
with Olave still available, they could easily go offense or defense. It's their choice, whatever they want to yeah. cap out on the most. And I think it's actually going to be a question for Justin Herbert. Do you want another guy to yeah, hum balls at? Because or do you want us? My thing is the reason yeah, I or do you want to lock down D? Yeah, yeah. Well, I re, yeah I went corner because they signed J C Jackson. They have Asante Samuel Jr. who's a slot guy. Keep in mind, you got the Chiefs, you got the Broncos, you got Devonte Adams, Darren Waller. Travis Kelsey, whom obviously isn't being guarded by corners, but you get the point. Yeah. It's a very offensive-heavy division. And you choose to go more yeah, defensive. you got to get those guys that. to stop it. Got that. it. Okay, so at 18, this is where my Chiefs come into play. One of my questions for Justin was, what are the, tr- what are the Chiefs going to do, man? They have the option to trade up, trade down, or stay where they are. Justin has them trading up to 18 and getting my personal pick for favorite receiver that the Chiefs are capable of getting, Chris Olave. The burner at a 4-3-6-40, the guy with special playmaking ability. He's small. He's fast. He's not Tyreek. But man, it'd be fun to see another electric speed receiver out there on the field with a little bit more route running yeah, than McCole Hardman is, ever had. Nice. So... The shift in dynamic in Kansas City, moving one to bigger guys, two better route runners, and three staying young. I would love this pick for the Chiefs. It's they could, they could, not, they could go. No, it's not because they lose both twenty nine and thirty to the Eagles. But man, they got twelve picks in this draft. The narrative is f them picks. Yeah, that in um start. I think like, I think it's starting to uh, to get behind the Chiefs. Yeah, much like you guys had, t- as of right now, as it stands, you have 29 and 30 back-to-back in the first round. You actually acquire pick 51 uh, in the Eagle, from the Eagles, and you have 50. So you're actually picking 50 and 51 now. So you kind of just you backload those back-to-backs, and you put in the second round, which is actually the strength of this draft, believe it or not. So it looks like it's pri- uh, pricey, price a pricey price tag, you could say, for Olave, but you get your guy, and then you actually still have um, a lot of flexibility in the second round. You could for move defense, up. yeah. You could move up. You could move down. You could package both of them. You could realistically jump right back into the first if you really mm-hmm. wanted to. So tons of flexibility with that. I like it a lot. Um, w trade for the Chiefs. They just continue to show, at least for me, why they have one of the better front offices in the whole NFL. Appreciate it, Justin. Okay, so let's run through the next couple of these picks. Devin Lloyd, wow, getting go, falling all the way to 19. He has, you know, there are talks of him being up there. Yeah, my thing with Devin so, Lloyd is uh, at some point during the NFL season, he's going to turn 25. Yeah, that's true. That, so it's hard to the, invest. The age in does my, fall. Yeah. Okay. It's hard to invest. Like, even It's hard to invest a top 20 pick in a guy that's going to be 25. But pick 19, Saints go BBA. So. And maybe, just maybe, with the offense that they think they could have with Jameis Winston and Mike Thomas, all they need is a special defense. Yeah. Well, I mean, their defense already is special. Yes, so exactly. to add studs to it. I Personally, I, I mean, I love Devin Lloyd. I think he's, he's one of my favorite players in the entire draft. Um, I think he has a lot of, I'm not calling him Micah Parsons, but as a linebacker, his edge rush potential is very nice and he's very quick mm-hmm. so all right nicobe dean to the pats at 21 Traylon burt 
Burks. Wow, you actually have him in the first round in this one. Yeah, going twenty-two was, to Green Bay. I was thinking him, Jahan Dotson, or Christian. Yeah, Watson. it's 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 going to be one of those three yeah. guys. And I just, I mean, so. Traylon Burks. He has a lot of. It's hard, but like the Packers are the Packers, and they kind of do dumb things. I'm not going to lie, but like, <laughs> it really it comes down to a Rod, and I don't know what's going on in a Rod's brain. So, Traylon right. Burks for now. Arizona at 23 goes guard to protect Kyler Murray, who yeah. I think they'll inevitably end up paying. Yeah, he, I don't, I don't, he was he was nice and nice and upfront over social media that he wants to stay. So good pick for the Cardinals. Dallas obviously needing to go tackle gets tackle at 25 and Tyler Smith. It's between him, Tyler Smith, who's 20 years old, um, and Bernard Raymond, who is going to be 25. So I think for the Cowboys. Do you really want, like, they're in win-now mode, so I could understand wanting the 25-year-old prospect who, like, kind of, you know, in theory at 25 would be more pro-ready than the redshirt sophomore. But I think Tyler Smith, it's just he's just a better prospect. He's just a better player than uh, Bernard Raymond, who I think is overrated. So is Trevor Penning. But uh, Tyler Smith, one of my, I personally hope he falls to 35 and the Jets get him. I don't see it happening. But, yeah, Dallas really fumbled this offseason, so they have to make it up this draft. They have to. Okay, Devontae Wyatt interior for yeah. the Bills. Add, add to that defense, yeah, replace scary. what they lost. 27, we have Lewis. We have we have Lewis um, seen to the to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's a safety. I know we've actually skipped over 20 and 26. So I, I want to come back to this because they are QBs because... This is an int- it's an interesting draft for QB. So I want to hit these three these last three picks, and then we can go back to uh, QBs. Got you. Okay, or these last four: Travis Jones, interior line for the for the Packers, as they pad that defense after losing Zadarius Smith. Yeah, just and BPA. For w- that and with the good. picks that the Chiefs gave up, the Eagles pad that defense, pad, pad, pad that defense with a linebacker in Quay Walker and an edge in George Karlaftis. I actually like this because it sticks to that Eagle mentality of last season. Run the heck out of the ball, and we're going to lock you the F up on defense. So I really, really like that. And then you have the Jets trading back in to the draft or to the first round at 31 to get your guy, Tyler Linderbaum, yeah. who's just a Swiss Army knife yeah. when it comes to offensive linemen. Yeah. So I think I'll explain the Jets pick a little bit just because I can speak very in-depth on it. Um, the Jets have been looking for a center replacement all offseason. They uh, they had a tons of interest in Ryan Jensen, the Buccaneers center, who was a free agent, but then when Brady unretired, he spun right back to the Buccaneers. Don't blame, it, don't blame him at all. And then for a point in time, they were arguing whether or not Tyler Linderbaum would be worth it for the 10th pick. And that was when his value was at an all-time high. Ever since then, his value has dropped because his arms are very short. He's a scheme-dependent player where like, he will literally only thrive in a specific scheme. And that scheme happens to be the Jets' West Coast offensive scheme. So I think Linderbaum would p- fit perfectly with us. We can save $12 million by releasing Ryan McGovern, who is our starting center. Free up $12 million, potentially because you're getting... A potential $25 million receiver, maybe. Who knows? Uh, it wouldn't take much. Uh, we could give up 38 in 69 or 38 in a fourth rounder just because 31, the, the value between 31 and 38 or 35, whichever we want to give up, isn't even really that high. So you toss in a fourth rounder to sweeten the deal. 
get it done. Bengals already fixed their offensive line, so that's that's just a luxury pick for them. Uh, they want corner, but um, there is Kyler Gordon who's there, but at, like I said, at 35 or 38, they could realistically still they get him. They could still get him. Yeah, with the Jets, just because he falls so much. Uh, so, yeah, I don't see why the Bengals would be reluctant to do this, get more capital. Gotcha. Okay, let's hit, to end this out, let's hit the three quarterbacks that actually went in your first round. Mm-hmm. I think one is surprising, too, I... I would agree with Malik Willis at 22 Pittsburgh. This has been a fit that's been talked about for a long time. It was either there or the Saints for Malik Willis. There were some talks that he would be in Carolina, but I think Carolina is going to move on from the QB narrative. I actually I heard a rumbling that the Seahawks would be willing to take Willis if he if he was there at nine, but with Evan Neal there, they just they they cannot they pass can't up pass that Neal. up. So that's the I think realistically he's at, at by. By tomorrow night, the end of tomorrow night, he's either a Seahawk, a Saint, or a Steeler. Yeah, one of those three. All the S's. Ooh, look at that. Mm-hmm. He's going to be on an S team by the end of Thursday night. Okay, Matt Corral at 26 to the Titans. I want to talk to you about this because I I talked about this in our first mock draft episode. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the odds that the Titans in the late first round go get a guy that they kind of like? They're high. I agree. I mean, I heard a, it could be a smokescreen. I could have fallen victim to it. I saw recently that the Titans uh, wouldn't be opposed to taking a quarterback uh, at the end of the first round. And at first I was like, okay, yeah, right. And then I remembered this team won the AFC last year. This team hasn't gotten any better or any worse. Um, Tannehill is mid. He's, yeah. he, he's mid. At the end of the day, he's mid. But he's the perfect bridge quarterback. Your team is built to compete right now. You could run it back with Tannehill, keep that chemistry, take a quarterback um, a quarterback of your choice. Could be Riddler, could be Howell, could be Corral. I think it's Corral just because I like him more than all the other prospects. But I'm not a GM, so what do I know? But let him sit, let him develop a, behind a... I mean, he's mid, but he's a good quarterback. Like, yeah. like 20 out of 32 teams would want him. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, the Jets would probably... Ah, no, nah, nah, it's like I'm lying. But you get the point that I'm making. I um, know. Let him sit, let him develop, and then hand him the keys to Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, the studs on defense like Harold Landry. Like, I, I think it's now or never for them. And this is really the perfect draft because obviously they're not going to be in a position next year to get one. No, they're just – it sucks because they're, they're too successfully poor, I guess you could say. Yeah. Like they're, they're really strong, but at the same time – they're strong to get a late pick in the draft, not the last pick yeah. in the draft, if you know what I mean. But like it's it's honestly a perfect position position for them to swoop in and get a quarterback of their choice because I mean, there's a high chance that they're the first one like you know what I'm saying? Like all the quarterbacks could be on the board at that point. There's a very high chance. So it's like the perfect time because you're not gonna be in competition for like CJ Shroud, uh uh Bryce Young and all them. And yeah, then the exactly. year, who's who knows what we're talking about in twenty twenty four. Like so just, you know, get it done now. Most of the times the late twenty picks, how often do they even pan out? So if you take like a position of need like tackle, center, whatever it may be, like it might not even work. So take a shot at a quarterback. Screw it. All right, last QB and yeah. Last pick. Last pick of the first round. The Detroit Lions who unfortunately, you know, they gave up two first rounders for Stafford and that first rounder ended up biting them in the butt yeah. as they're going to get Kenny Pickett at 32 according to your mock draft. I think this could be him or Desmond Ritter. 
So yeah, I, th- I just think you know Kenny take a, take a shot on a guy in the, yeah. it's a it's a shot in the dark. Yeah, because the Lions, I mean they're in, they're in a tough spot regardless. But yeah, to have their fir- their first pick, they get, they got to start fresh, have some kind of new culture. Kenny Pickett's young, exciting, fun. And they got guys like Deion. Guy. They got guys like DeAndre Swift, Amon Ross, St. Brown, so TJ and TJ Hawkinson. So it could be a whole plethora of stuff. So exciting to see. Yeah, it, yeah, and they brought in DJ Chark. You're right. Okay. Well, with that being said, that is the end of this episode of the Crow's Nest. Thank you all for tuning in. Justin and I are super excited for the draft party tomorrow. And don't you worry, because come Friday morning, when we get back after, you know, probably it'll probably be 1 a.m. when we get back to campus. You think? from the draft we're going to be recording at 9am the next day to let y'all know what we think and there will be stuff on the socials showing you you guys about our experience there maybe some live reactions to the picks no doubt so you guys will have to see but for now that is all so for Justin Valenzuela my name is Jackson Chank we will see you all next time peace